Well, good morning, Heartland Church. It's good to see you guys today. My name is Mikey. I'm the next-gen pastor here, and uh, I just got to tell you, I think that all of us that go to church on Spring Forward deserve an extra jewel in our crowns. Amen. And uh, I know you're not here first service. They get two extra jewels. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But <laughs> we're so glad that you joined us today. We are in week two. If, you, if you're like, whoa, what? Didn't Mikey speak last week? I did. I'm back, everybody. And uh, this is, this is uh, week two of, of a little mini-series that we're calling Deep Clean. And uh, before we get into our message today, I just want to look in the cameras and say thank you so much for joining us today online. All of those that are joining us online, come on, give it up for them, Heartland Church. So glad you guys are here with us today. And uh, two people that might be with us online today are Pastor Dusty and Kendra. They, are, uh, they took their girls over spring break to the happiest place on earth, to Disney World. So uh, do you love your pastors today, everybody? We, we love you, PD and PK. And uh, we, we miss you, but have a great time in those long spring break lines. Okay, praise God. But uh, like I said, I'm fired up today. I, I hope you're excited. I hope you're ready because uh, I know we, we lost an hour, but I'm fired up. I'm ready. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm ready. I'm ready. So the last thing that I want to tell you before we dive in today is uh, Reveal Conference is 12 days away, everybody. <laughs> We are in the final preparations. We are excited. There is a volunteer meeting after this Sunday and next Sunday. If you're volunteering for conference, make sure to attend one of those. You should have gotten an email. And also, if uh, your student is not registered, it's time to get them registered, everybody. It's the best thing that we do all year long for our students, 6th through 12th grade. And uh, today is our early bird price deadline. So make sure to, to not pay extra. Get them registered today. And uh, you'll, you'll be able to play, pay the early bird deadline price, all right? So let's get them registered. Now, we're in a two-week series called Deep Clean. Last week, we talked about bitterness and how God can take bitterness and turn it into blessing. You see, this, this, this series of Deep Clean is all about looking inside of us and looking at the, the, the sinful areas of our life and not gently exfoliating them. Not taking a, a light sponge to them. No, no. This is a deep clean, everybody, because we want to get right and pure before God. Amen? And so last week we talked about bitterness and, and the story of Naomi and Ruth and how God took, took Naomi's bitterness of losing her husband and her two sons and how he turned it into blessing by through her lineage giving us King David and King Jesus. And so how many of y'all know God can turn bitterness into blessing? Amen? So today, we are talking about the deadly sin of pride, Ooh. which is why I've titled my message, Get Off Your High Horse. Now look at the person you came with today and say, Get Off Your High Horse. Now, I know you've been waiting to say that a long time, so I gave you the opportunity. Now how many of you guys would be brave enough to say, you know what, Mikey, yes, I struggle with pride today, I'm enough of a person that I can admit it and I, I struggle with pride. How many of y'all would raise your hands and say, yes, I, I can struggle with pride? Well, this message is for you. But can I tell you, this message is especially for those of you who are too proud to raise your hands <laughs> because, because I'm telling you, pride can be an issue. It can be a, a ridiculously challenging to detect and identify in your life. And what do we know about pride? Well, if you're taking notes today, I, I want to 
kind of lean on that a little bit, and you can take these notes in those little message, message notes that you have. But a couple of things about pride that we need to acknowledge is this. Number one, pride is dangerously destructive. And number two, pride is difficult to detect. It's dangerously destructive, but it's also very, very difficult to see it in a mirror. And most of us, when we think of all of the bad sins in the world, when we think about all the troubling things in the world, all the things that we could do, we think about murder, we think about adultery, we think about greed and lust, but all of us, we have a little bit of pride. And the truth about pride is that God hates it. He hates it. Look at what scripture says in Proverbs 16, 5. It says, the Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. Proverbs 8, 13 says, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. God absolutely hates pride. It's destructive to your soul and it's difficult to detect. But the challenge is, is that the people who need it most often don't think that they need it. This is a difficult topic to preach about because pride is difficult to identify. Now, I don't know how many of you guys in the room know this, but uh, Pastor Dusty, our pastor, is really, really, really good at golf, okay? Like really good at golf. In fact, a lot of you in the room right now have probably played him in golf and lost to him in golf because he, he's a pretty good golfer. And I remember when I was 19 years old, I had the opportunity to play golf with Pastor Dusty for the first time. Now, I, I was not like super good or anything, but I wasn't the guy that was going to hold everybody up because I was just shanking them left and right, right? Like I was somewhere in the middle. But not only was I playing with Pastor Dusty, someone who I, I looked up to so much in my life, he was my youth pastor my whole life, I was playing with him for the first time. Not only was I playing with him, but I was playing with some of his pastor friends too. And these are guys that I looked up to my whole life. Like these are guys that came and spoke at Now Camp and spoke at Reveal Conference. And so these are like heroes of the faith to me. You know what I'm saying? And so there were 12 of us. And of course, I get put in the first group with Pastor Dusty. So not only do I have to tee off in front of Pastor Dusty, but I have to tee off in front of all 12 guys staring right at me as I'm doing it. I get up to that first tee box, y'all. I'm not kidding. My legs were doing this. I'm like, I'm like, Oh, Lord, help me. Oh. You know what I'm saying? And I'm just thinking in my, life, in my, in my mind, Mikey, just, just hit it soft. It's fine. Just hit it into the fairway. No big deal. Just don't embarrass yourself. Well, I embarrassed myself. See, what happened was, I, I, if you're my target, right, I'm lined up. And yes, I'm left-handed. Don't make fun of me. But I, I'm lined up, and I'm ready to hit, and I go to swing. And it's so bad, y'all that I don't even shank it into, in front of me. I shank it right this way. It hits a house and comes right back to us. Like, that's how bad it was. It, it, it was terrible. And, and I was so nervous. I was so embarrassed. And I go the entire round of golf that day playing just about as bad as I ever had in my life, right? To the point, this is not a joke. He really did this. To the point that Pastor Dusty walked up to me with my seven iron, and he said, Mikey, you need to hit this for the rest of the day. Don't hit another club until you can hit this club. I was so embarrassed, y'all. I, I, I was so frustrated. It was a terrible day, and I was just embarrassed. Well, something that you may not know about me, uh, a lot of you do know this about me, but I'm really competitive. And, uh, okay, let's relax a little bit, everybody. <laughs> Someone over here said, what? <laughs> yes, okay, I'm competitive. It's my pride. I'm working on it, all right? But I'm competitive, 
And uh, that day didn't really sit well with me. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm 19. Uh, the next year of my life, I'm 20, 21. I start going to the driving range like every other day because this wasn't going to happen to me again. You know what I'm saying? And so I start going to the driving range. I start practicing. And over the next few years, I played with Pastor Dusty a lot. And thankfully, I didn't embarrass myself ever again, but I had never beaten him. You know what I mean? Well, then came April 16th of 2015. I was getting married in just a few weeks. It was my, it was my wedding month. And so uh, we got some guys together. Pastor Dusty was one of them. And, and uh, we, we put together a little golf outing. In fact, some of those pastors that I had played with when I was 19, I'd never played with them again until April 16th of 2015. And this happened, everybody. Check out this video right here. And here he is on number 18 with a birdie putt to beat Dusty for the first time. Robbie. He's never done it. Velo, somewhere in the parking lot. <laughs> and here he is, folks. tell but I was excited I was so happy I had worked I like I was standing over that putt thinking Mikey when you were 19 years old you live you this is what this is what you live for right here you put that behind you this is your culmination moment your did they would make movies about that moment everybody so the next time that we played I played with Pastor Dusty after I beat him and I was just staring at him the whole time. I, I walked up to that first tee box. I was swagged out. I, I walked up with a little bit of a swagger to that first tee box, just staring at him as I'm putting my tee in the ground and lining up my shot. He beat me by 10 strokes that day. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> can I tell you that pride can be a problem? Pride can be a problem. And, and I hope that you're open to hearing from the Lord today because I believe that if you are, you might find that pride can be a problem for you. Now, if you battle with pride, the good news is, is that you're not alone. Over and over and over again in scripture, we see people who struggled with pride. Beginning with God's first creation, Adam and Eve, they struggled with pride. Then we're going to read about King David. And King David, a man after God's own heart, struggled with pride. And then there was Peter, the guy who says, I'm better than all the other disciples. He struggled with pride, told Jesus, I will never deny you. And then he denied Jesus three times. In fact, after being stripped of his pride, Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5, 5, he says this, dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Now, before we get too far into this message, I wanna address all of those people in the room that might say, Mikey, is all pride sinful? Like, is every aspect of pride, every prideful situation, is it all sinful? And I would submit to you today that I do not believe that it is. I, I do believe that there are some righteous, prideful things in our life that we can be proud of. For example, 
if you have a son or a daughter and they're nice to another classmate in their class and the teacher calls you and says, hey, so-and-so was super nice and, and loved on this kid. I mean, you can be proud of your kid. You know, that, that's righteous pride. That's okay. It's not, it's not prideful. It's not a prideful thing or a sinful thing to bring your best to something that matters. It, it's not sinful to be proud and confident in the gifts and abilities that God has given you. That's not sinful pride because not all pride is sinful. But the challenge becomes, well, then what is sinful pride? And so in order for us to really divulge into this, we have to identify what sinful pride is. And, and I would say that sinful pride is just this. It's an elevation of ourselves above others and a denial for the need of God. So it's looking at somebody else and saying, I'm better than they are. Or perhaps it's you saying, no, my life is good. I'm all good. Don't need God to move in my life. And so today I want to look at three different types of pride, how they can affect our lives. And I just want to dive into this this morning. So the first type of sinful pride is the I'm better than you pride. The I'm better than you pride. We see this in a parable in the book of Luke where it says that a Pharisee turned his nose up at a tax collector and said, man, thank God I'm not like you. And what's odd is that the Pharisee didn't realize how prideful of a statement that really was. He, he was so full of himself to say something like that. See, pride is dangerously destructive and it's difficult to detect. Now, I told you that I'm competitive. Where are all my competitive people in the room? You would say, yes, I'm competitive. I love to compete. And, and this isn't just like the type of competitive person where you like to play games, okay? A lot of people like to play games. But I'm talking like, it doesn't matter if it's the Super Bowl or a game of Monopoly. You're not just trying to, to beat your opponent. You're trying to embarrass your opponent, right? Like that's the type of competitive person that I'm talking about. See, it's difficult for Carly and I to play games together sometimes because we're both super competitive people. You know what I mean? In fact, uh, I don't know if you guys know about Wordle. Anybody heard of Wordle? It's something that the New York Times puts out. It's a, a word of the day every day, and you're supposed to guess the word of the day, right? Well, there was a word the other day, and Carly and I have gotten like super competitive with the Wordle, which is not great for our marriage. But uh, <laughs> we've gotten really competitive with one another and like, ha, I got 10 in a row. My streak is bigger than yours. Ha, ha, ha. But we're, we're going through this Wordle, the word of the day, and the word is vivid, Okay. Really difficult word to guess because it's double vowel, double consonants, right? And it's not just double vowel, double consonants, but it's also double V, which is a really rare letter. Well, guys, I lost my streak that day. I did not guess vivid as the word. It, it was really frustrating. Well, then my wife comes at me and she's like, hey, I got it on my third try. You would have thought that she had been deflating footballs or something the way that I called her a cheater, y'all. Like, I was like, there's no way! The third try? There's no way! I, come on, Carly, you're messing with me. There's no way you got that on the third try. You are not smarter than me! Ah! I was so frustrated. I was so competitive. Still to this day, I think she's cheating, but I won't go there. <laughs> But here's the problem. Anytime that you elevate yourself over somebody else, whether it's a, a game of monopoly or choosing the wordle of the day, can I tell you that that's pride? You say, well, at least I'm not like them. At least I don't do things 
like they do them. That's pride. And pride is disgusting in the sight of God. Some of you in the room right now, you're like, no way, Mikey. I'm the most humble guy that I know, okay? Oh, we got a problem there, brother, if you're saying things like that, okay? Pride is dangerous, and it's difficult to detect. See, the Bible tells us that God hates pride, and I just want you to hear me say this today, church, that a lot of us who have this type of pride in our life, we won't ever look somebody in the face and say, I'm better than you, because people aren't that rude. (laughs) But what we might do is we might have a critical spirit towards somebody. Maybe for you, it's like, huh, they're watching what movie? See, I I watch my Netflix, and sure, sometimes it has nudity, or sure, it sometimes has, has language, but at least it's not like that show. At least it's not on HBO. Oh, goodness. I can't believe they're doing that. Well, I would never drink that drink. I I would never date that person. Maybe you do this at work. Nobody works like me. I work harder than every single person here. I'm the best at what I do. Maybe it's about current events or politics. No one's as informed as I am. I'm more intelligent, more informed than everybody else. Maybe you have a critical spirit in your marriage. Maybe one of you makes more money than the other, and instead of saying, this is our money, you say things like, Why is he spending every dollar that I bring in? You say things like, why is she going out and hanging out with her friends all the time? Does she not know what I'm trying to do for our family? Does she not know what we're trying to build here? I'm the one making this money. And can I just look at you today and say, that's not right. That's prideful. It's a critical spirit. When Carly and I got married, we were 22 years old, really dumb. And... um, you know, we, we had to go through an adjustment phase just like everybody else did, right? And I remember, I don't know if you know this about us, but I'm pretty extroverted and Carly's pretty introverted. And so that, that can kind of, you know, cause some tension sometimes because I recharge by hanging out with people and, and doing stuff with people and she likes to recharge by herself. And neither one of those is right, neither one is wrong. It's just our differing personalities, right? Well, I thought that marriage was just one big party. I thought it was just like a sleepover with your best friend. It was going to be incredible and so much fun all the time, right? I was wrong. (laughs) Early on in our marriage, we would be hanging out, and then she would just bounce and say, all right, I'm going to go read a book, or I'm going to go watch this show. And I'm like, what? You you don't want to hang out with me? What did I do? And she'd look at me and she said, Mike, you didn't do anything. We've been hanging out together for six hours. What do you want from me? <laughs> but seriously, there was, there was a time early on in our marriage where Carly literally had to sit me down. And she said, Mikey, just because I want to go be by myself for a little bit doesn't mean that I don't love you. In fact, it probably means that I can love you better after that. It's fine. It's okay. But I was hurt. Why was I hurt? Because I thought I could be everything that she needed. I thought she didn't have to rely on anyone or anything else. I could be that for her. Can I tell you, it was my pride. It was prideful. Thank God I've gotten smarter over the last seven years of marriage. (laughs) That was funny. This This leads us to our second type of pride. Our second type of pride. 
It's the I can handle it pride. I can handle it. Now, some of you in the room today, if you're honest with yourself, this is your type of pride. It's a, it's a pride in yourself. Maybe for you, you, you love to give and you, you love to be charitable to others, but anytime someone wants to help you, you're like, no, 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 no. I'm good. I got this. I can take care of myself. Maybe you're dealing with some obstacle, the same obstacle that you've been dealing with for years and years, and instead of asking somebody for help, you're just constantly stuck in this cycle of I can handle it myself. I can do it myself. And you can't overcome it. Why? Because you're too prideful to ask for help. See, I believe that one of the biggest indicators of this type of pride, the I can handle it pride, is the fact that you rarely pray. And when you do pray, your prayers are predictable, they're canned, you say things like, God, give us a good day, bless this food, thank you, Lord, keep us safe, I love you, amen. And when you think about it, it's possible that your lack of a serious prayer life is indicative of you not relying on God in your life. Now, we see this back in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, and God tells Adam, hey, don't eat this fruit. You can have everything that you want, anything and everything you want, it's yours, except for this one thing. Don't eat this fruit or you will die, right? Well, then the serpent comes along and tells Eve, hey, if you eat this fruit, you'll be like God. You won't need God because you will be like God. See, Eve wanted the wisdom that the fruit would give her. She wanted to be like God. She thought that she could handle it herself. And so then she goes to Adam and gives him the fruit. And, and this is just so mind-blowing to me that Adam didn't stop for a second and just say, hey, what, what are we doing here? You know, what I love about this story is that I feel like Eve gets a bad rap in this story Amen. a lot of the times because God didn't tell Eve not to eat the fruit. God told Adam not to eat the fruit. In fact, God told Adam not to eat the fruit before Eve had even been created. So whose job is it to tell Eve not to eat the fruit? It's the spiritual leader. Can I just talk to the men in the room for a second? I believe that there are so many arguments, so much sinful stuff, so much pride that can be avoided by just stepping up to be the spiritual leader of your household. I really believe that. You can't be the spiritual leader of your family without relying on the Spirit. You've got to rely on the Holy Spirit to do a work in you so that you can help with your family. Work together with the Holy Spirit to lead your family. What would have happened if Adam would have just simply stopped and said, Eve, hey, can I tell you what God said? It would have taken care of everything. What would have happened if Adam would have said, hey, can we just stop for a second and just talk to God? Because that's all prayer is anyway, right? It's just talking to God. But instead of humbling themselves, they fall into what we call the pride cycle. You feel like you can handle it. You see, you've got pride. That pride leads to sin. The Bible teaches that sin leads to shame. And shame leads to us covering up. I can handle it. No, 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 I, I don't need anybody else. I, I can take care of it myself. No, I'm good, please, I'm good, don't look at me. Don't look at me, I'm okay. But can I tell you, is it possible that covering up, is it possible that that's actually pride? Because by covering up, you're saying, God, I, I can handle this myself. I don't 
need you. This is what Adam and Eve did. They, they ate of the fruit, realized they were naked, and in their shame, covered up. And when you cover up, that's a type of pride. Pride leads to sin. Sin leads to shame. Shame leads to covering up. Covering up is pride. Pride leads to sin. Sin leads to shame. And some of us in the room are in this constant cycle of pride, and it's ruining your life. Instead of humbling yourself and coming to God and saying, Lord, I I can't handle this myself. You just cover it up. Some of you today, you you act like you can handle it. And that shame that you feel, you you don't know how to handle it, and so you just cover it up. I want you to understand this, is that if this is your type of pride, I'm begging you, please humble yourself. Because that's how you find freedom. That's how you find freedom in your life. If you're addicted, find help. If your marriage is on the rocks, can I tell you that this is one of the biggest things that our pastors love talking to couples about. It's how to, how to have purity in your relationship. Your spouse is the most important relationship in your life, second to your relationship with God. And if it's on the rocks, we have two pastors that, that this is their life calling. This is like what they love to talk to people about. In fact, that we, we have pastors that have offered to help people pay for their counseling sessions. I don't know a lot of churches that do that. If you're struggling spiritually today, can I tell you, we have a staff that wants to love you and walk with you in your relationship with Jesus. You, you feel like you're dry. We want to help bring you along and, and help you understand that a life with Jesus puts wind in your sails. It's what we're here for. That's what we're called to. It's why God put us on this earth. But you have to humble yourself enough to say, hey, I can't take care of this myself. Will you help me? And when you humble yourself, First Peter tells us, God will lift you up. Finally, our third type of pride is the it doesn't apply to me pride. Some of y'all in the room are like, well, that first one didn't apply to me. Second one didn't apply to me. I'm good. Then we get here. Ha-ha! But you know what this one looks like? This one looks like you're above the rules. It doesn't apply to me. I don't, I don't need to, to follow that rule because it doesn't apply to me. I'm above the rules. Listen to what Proverbs 16, 18 says. It says, the higher you lift yourself up in pride, the harder you will fall in disgrace. Consider King David for just a second. A man who the Bible says was a man after God's own heart. A time where kings were supposed to go to war, David decides that he's gonna stay home and just send his army to war. I'm the king. I'm above the rules. I don't have to to do what everybody else is doing. And so he stays home. And while he's in a place that he shouldn't be in, he sees something that he shouldn't see. He goes up to the roof and he sees a woman bathing. And it's in that moment that he does something that he shouldn't do. And he commits adultery. Can I tell you this, church? I hope you'll hear this today. Status without accountability is the breeding ground for pride. And I just want to say that again to really let it sink into you today. Status without accountability is the breeding ground for pride. It breaks my heart when I see some of these pastors falling into some of their pride. 
They lose their, their family. They lose their church because they grew too quickly. And that status that they had didn't come with accountability. Why? Because accountability takes work. You have to put it in place for yourself. No one's going to put it in place for you. So you have this status, but you got to have accountability because if you don't, it's the breeding ground for pride. And that's when bad things can happen to you. See, every one of us has some kind of status. Every one of us has some kind of influence in our life. And the more status you have, the more influence you have, the more important it is to have accountability in your life. Can I tell you that Carly and I counsel people all the time, but we have a rule that if we're ever counseling someone of the opposite sex, we do not do it behind closed doors. We just don't. It's too important. And it's not because we don't trust each other. It's because we want accountability. Like, it's gotten to the point, y'all, I won't even get on an elevator with a woman. And that can be really inconvenient sometimes. I'm waiting for a long time. But I just won't do it because I've got too much to lose. Can I tell you, you have too much to lose. You've got too much to lose in your life to not have accountability in your life. Now, I don't know where you might see this in your world, but, but if you're honest, you might admit that it's there. You, you think, well, I don't need a tithe. My life is good. I'm fine. My finances are okay. I, I don't need to tithe. Why should I tithe? I, I can look at whatever I want online. It's no big deal. It's not hurting anybody. I don't need to join a connect group. Connect groups are for lonely people. What about this one? Well, we're married in our hearts, so who cares if we're living together? It doesn't matter. See, somewhere in your life, church, is there a sin that you've rationalized? Are there sins in your life that you've made excuses for? Is there a place in your life that you're pretending like you're above the rules? See, watch this. Adam and Eve, the I can handle it pride. I can be like God, right? Well, what happens? It leads them to sin. It leads them to shame. It leads them to cover it up. They're embarrassed. They're vulnerable. King David, it doesn't apply to me, pride. I'm above the rules. It leads him to adultery. It leads him to deep shame. And he covers it up by sending this woman's husband into the front lines of battle and having him basically killed. Why? Because he made a stupid decision. And instead of humbling himself and going to God with that decision, he decides he's going to cover it up. It's the exact same thing that happened to Adam and Eve. But then we get to Peter. I love Peter. Peter with the I'm better than you pride. I'm the best disciple in the group. I'm the best. I'm better than all these guys. Lord, I would never betray you. I would die before I betray you. Whoops. He betrays him three times. Denies him three times. But the difference in Peter is that instead of wallowing in his shame and trying to cover it up himself, what does he do? He humbles himself. 1 Peter 5 says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the almighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. It's fascinating to me to think about the man who wrote these thoughts. Peter, the man who denied Jesus. I, I really can't think of something worse in this world than denying Jesus. And yet Peter does it three times. This is the guy who had the faith to step out of the boat, but the pride to take his eyes off of Jesus. He takes his eyes off of Jesus, and what happens? He starts 
to falter. He starts to sink. And does God see that pride in him and just say, oh, I can't believe you would do this and run the other way? No, because that's not the kind of God we serve. God sees him in that moment, runs to him, puts his mighty hand in the water, and lifts him back up out of it. And can I just tell you today, everybody, that I believe that the same God who lifted Peter out of the water that day is the same God that can lift you up today. It's the same God. Because that's the kind of God that we serve. See, it's not just that we have to neglect our prideful ways, but I believe that we have to replace them with something. It's not just that we have to remove it from our life, but we have to put something in its place. I I love this imagery that Pastor Dusty once spoke about. He He talked about if you tend a garden and you plant tomatoes, in a few months, what are you gonna harvest? Tomatoes, it's not a trick question. But if you don't tend your garden, and you plant nothing, in a few months, what are you going to get? Well, it's not nothing, it's weeds. It's weeds. And I believe that some of us have these, these weeds of pride growing up in our life right now. And you don't just have to tend to your garden, because if you remove the weeds and don't do anything else, if you ask God for forgiveness, but don't replace the pride with anything else, I believe that days from now, months from now, years down the road, you'll find yourself in another service just like this, struggling with the same type of pride, because it grew right back in your life. You don't just remove the pride. you got to replace it. With humility. Because remember what we read in 1 Peter. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I started uh, working here at this church when I was 19 years old in a limited capacity. So technically, this is my 10th year doing ministry. And I've looked back at these 10 years of my life, and I've had some really high highs and some really low lows. But when I look back, I really do believe that I took a lot of pride in my work. And I hope that it was a righteous pride that I took in my work. But sometimes it wasn't a righteous pride. Like, I I wanted to be great. I wanted to be a great communicator. I wanted to be a great strategist. I wanted to be a great mentor, a great counselor, a great builder of disciples. And this might be where some of you are today, that you're doing all of these things for God, right? which is admirable. It's a good thing to do. But can I ask you something today, church? What if God had a way for you to have a bigger impact on this earth? See, I spent the first several years of my ministry acting like God was my teacher and I was just his student and I wanted to bring him my my report card every six weeks with an A on it so that he could look at me and say, well done good and faithful servant. I I would come home after a successful reveal conference or after baptizing 25 kids at a summer blast and say things like, Lord, I hope I made you proud. I did this for you. I hope it was good in your sight. But it wasn't until I had a mentorship session with somebody in this church that I love and respect and admire so much. They said to me, they said, Mikey, 
I don't believe that you'll be able to go to the next level in your ministry until you stop trying to do things for God and start trying to do things with God. Can I just tell you that it hit me like a ton of bricks? Because in my life, I have constantly been, God, I hope this looks good to you. I worked really hard for this. I hope you're proud of me. I know you're seated really far away in heaven, but God, look what I've done for you. But that's not what God wants for us. What God wants for us is to say, Lord, come beside me. Come work with me. I am your tool. I am your vessel. I'm doing things not just for you, but with you. My prayers changed, y'all. The way that I thought about my relationship with God shifted because what had happened was my pride had taken over. Without realizing it, with every good intention, I allowed myself to slip into the, I can handle it. God, I'm doing it for you, but you don't have to be a part of it. I got it. What greater impact could we have on this world, in our families, in our marriage, if we didn't just say, God, I'm doing it for you, but God, come alongside me and let's do it together. Let's work together. See, guys, I I believe that pride builds a wall between you and God, but humility builds a bridge. And that's my prayer for all of us today is that we we could tear down that wall of pride in our life and build a bridge with our relationship with Jesus. My prayer is that we could recognize our shortcomings in this area of our life and replace it with humility. Because I believe that God will lift us up in that humility. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to pray for you today. I hope that you'll talk to God in this moment and ask him, God, do I have pride? Because I believe that as you pray this prayer, he will reveal it to you. Because pride is dangerously destructive. It's difficult to detect. But the moment that you do, the moment that you humble yourself before God, he will lift you up. He will come alongside of you. He will work with you to make an impact like you never thought possible. And so today, Heavenly Father, I, I first just say how much we love you, how much we praise you, how good you are in our life. Come on, tell him how good he is today, church. You're so good, God. We love you so much. And Lord, if there's any aspect of pride in my heart or in my life, if if any of these three resonate with you, Lord, I, I ask that the Holy Spirit right now would just convict me in this moment. That, Lord, we we don't want pride to build a wall between us and you. We want to walk in humility today. So for anyone whose, whose head is bowed and eyes are closed right now, if this is you today, if you feel like you struggle with pride, if one of these three have spoken to you, I just want to know who I'm praying for today. So on the count of three, would you just lift your hands with me if one of these has spoken to you? One, two, three. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Well, Heavenly Father, today we just come before you and We realize that every good and perfect gift that we have does not come through our ability, 
doesn't come through our works, but it comes through you, God. You are faithful to do it all in our lives. We're so thankful that you've brought us out of where we have been and into a love with you. And so, Lord, if there's anyone in this room, if there's anyone watching online, whoever it is, God, that has that wall of pride built up, I pray that the Holy Spirit would convict but not condemn. That the Holy Spirit would convict them of this so that they can say, you know what, God, I'm not just going to lean on me any longer, but I'm going to lean on you. I'm not going to try and cover up any longer, but Lord, I'm going to get on my knees, get on my face in prayer and say, you are the King of Kings and I need your help with it today, God. For those of us who are in this pride cycle, constantly struggling with this area of our life, Lord Jesus, I ask that we could just fall before you in humility. God, we realize that it's all you anyway. And we thank you for it today, God. Thank you for being the Lord of our life. We invite you into this moment today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, can we give it up for Jesus? Thank you, Lord, for the work that you've done this morning. I I hope this message has spoken to you a little bit. And uh, it's... It's a tough one because it's difficult to detect a lot of the times in our life. And uh, so, hey, why don't we do this? Why don't you stand all over the room? We're going to dismiss you here in just a second. But before we do, I just want to remind you and and say thank you for being the most generous church on the planet. You you guys go over and above, and we're just so thankful for it. And if you want to give to the mission and vision of HC today, you can do so online at theheartlandchurch.com slash give, or you can drop your gift in the buckets, the black boxes, as you're leaving the tunnels today. And um, just a reminder, Reveal Conference is coming in 12 days. It's going to be great. We've got a volunteer meeting here in this room after service is over. And if you want more information or want to get your kids registered, you can do so at our Reveal table out in the lobby. All right, everybody? Well, hey, let me pray for for those of you given today, and then I'll dismiss you. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you so much that you're speaking to us in this moment. And God, for every gift that's given today, I pray that you would multiply it and bless it and use it for the expansion of your kingdom. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. I love you guys so much. Have a blessed Sunday. Y'all are dismissed. Tradition, break down the walls for my release.